Amen. We are talking about why we love Jesus, why we should fall more in love with Him, and how we can tell the world why we love Him. And I want to talk to you this morning about a God that has compassion on our condition, a God who has compassion on our condition, or really, a God who stoops down. If I had a title, that might be it, a God who stoops down. Uh, recently, uh, my, my family loves the zoo. We, even though we don't have a big zoo here in our area, we go to the zoo all the time. We have annual membership, and we found out recently that it got us into the Baton Rouge Zoo, actually, for free. And so we took a little trip down there, went to the Baton Rouge Zoo, and um, I don't know if you've ever been there before, but it, it's hot in uh, June and July, and it, it's a lot bigger than the one here close to us. And so there was a lot more walking, and so we have a little trailer, and I'm, I'm the dad, you know, so I'm pulling, you know, the 60 pounds worth of children and coolers and everything. So, you know, I'm, I'm this buff guy, but, you know, it's really hard on me uh, to pull all this. So anyway, so my kids like to walk, and and they, you know, they want to get out of the cart, so they're walking and walking. And, but you know how it goes, mom and dad. After a while, they get done walking. What do they? What do they do? Hold me, hold me, hold me, hold me. And then you're carrying them and pulling a cart, you know, around the zoo. I'm like, I got a cart. You could just ride in the cart. No, I want to be held. And so you're holding them, and then they're cranky and tired. And so, uh, I, as a father, though, know. They can't make the lap around the zoo. They, they can't make the journey that we have to do. And so, you know, even though it is hard and harder on me, I have compassion on their weakness, right? Because I'm the dad. I'm the stronger one. I know their little legs can't make it around. So I'm willing to carry them. And uh, I want to talk to you this morning about a God who has compassion on our condition. He is willing to carry us if we're willing to be carried. He knows our form, our frame. He knows the journey is too hard for us. And if we would just raise our hands to our Heavenly Father in that time of need and just trust and rely on His strength, He might just pick us up as a good Father and carry us on the journey we have. Amen? And so look in with me in Psalms 103. Verse 1. We're going to read down to verse 14, and let me skip a few verses here, but I'm reading in the New American Standard. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of His benefits. Everybody say none. None, yeah. None of His benefits. Who pardons all of your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Now skip down to verse 8. The Lord is compassionate and gracious. He's slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. He will not always strive with us, nor will He keep His anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor has He rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His loving kindness towards those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far He has removed our transgressions from us. And here it is, just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear Him. For He Himself knows our frame, and He's mindful 
that we are but dust. Man, that's good. That is so good. And the question I want us to ask and hopefully answer this morning is how do you live every day in the reality that God's way or God's strength is the best place to live? Uh, If I'll be honest, sometimes I get in these little modes where I'm not doing so well, and I feel like I'm living in between two worlds, and this week was really one of them. Uh, I feel like I'm living in between two worlds. and one world, I know that there is a God, there is a, a devil who is against me living for God. There's a heaven, there's a hell. There's a Jesus who died on the cross, and, and I'm living in a world that is not my home, and I know that everything I see around me is only temporary, and I want to give the missions and live my life all into God, and, and I live with this reality that, that heaven is here on the earth now. There's a kingdom that is, that is not apparent to the world, but there is a spiritual reality where light spiritually is casting out spiritual darkness And there is an awareness of God's glory, and there is an awareness that God is coming back soon. And I strive every week, every day to live in that reality. But if I'm really honest, there is another reality that I feel like I'm living in between two worlds. And this other world is a world that says, you know what, work hard and relax. Uh, Take some time off and and enjoy some pleasure in this world. It, it, it's a, a, a life of, well, what's the next movie, and what's the next hobby, and what can I buy, and what can I sell, and what can I attain, and how nice my house can be, and if I can just get this or that, I can get settled, and I need to make sure I got money in my retirement, and set up for my girls, and, and it, not all that is even bad, but there's this consuming nature about that world, and I, that world helps, it fades away, that other reality, that world, I don't think about the coming of Christ anymore so much, and I, I'm not living in this awareness, and sometimes struggling between these two worlds can be hard, it can be tough, and sometimes you just want to take a break, and if I'm honest, the flesh in me just says, can I just take a week off from trying? Because it's so hard to try sometimes to be a Christian. And if I'm ever using that language, I know, Heath Harris, you're in trouble because I shouldn't be trying. It should be him doing it in me and living by him. And I know, man, man, I just, I just want to turn it all off sometimes. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You just want to turn it off and just say, can I just sit in the recliner and just turn my brain off and, and not think about this reality, these two realities that I'm struggling between? And I know that I want to be more devoted to Jesus Christ. And how do you do that? How do we live in a daily reality to choose God's way, to live by God's strength? And what do you do when you're tired of trying to be a Christian or when you have those times in your life that seems it's just hard to do right and it's easier just to give in to the weakness that we have And the problem uh, I see today is that we have got this God who's so compassionate on us in this chapter. We see him, and he's stooping down to carry us. And I realize that Heath Harris is often relying on his own strength to get by, Uh, relying on my own understanding in nature. And I'm a proud and independent person, much as we all are as people. We're proud, we're independent, we think just like my daughter's. When they're going around the zoo, I got this. I can walk. I can make it. No, don't carry me. No, I don't need to ride in your cart. I got this. But then we're not even three quarters of the way into the zoo 
or into that journey, and what do we realize? I can't make it. I need you. Would you carry me? Would you carry me? And I want to live daily in the reality that, God, I need your strength. God, I need to lean on you and not leaning on myself and trust in you because I need to depend on God to live a holy life. And he lifts me up when I cry out to the Lord. If I could just raise my hand and say, God, I'm tired. Lord, I need you. Would you bring me closer to yourself? How many people think that's a good prayer to pray over our lives? God, I'm tired. I need you. I'm raising my hands to my dad. Bring me closer uh, to yourself. So I want to talk to you a little bit about this passage in Psalm 103. That We've got a God who stoops down and has compassion on our condition if we'll be carried. If we'll be carried. Let me talk to you about our condition real quick, and then I'm going to talk to you about his compassion. What is our condition? What does that say? It says, he is mindful that we are but what? Dust. We are dust. Look at your neighbor and say, you're looking a little dirty today. No, not really. Dust. We're made of dust. It says that he's mindful of our condition. He knows that we are but dust. If you go down to the passage, it says we're like this flower. It comes and goes. The wind blows. Our life is not nothing. It's fleeting. Uh, you know, when I was thinking this week, you know, your mind kind of goes in, when you're mowing the yard and praying and thinking about your sermon, it kind of goes in random places. But, you know, uh, my body, uh, this fleshly body, it is uh, uh, muscles, it's fibers, it's tendons, it's blood cells, it's DNA, uh, it's hair follicles, it's all this stuff, and it's living. It's, it's breathing, it's pumping blood, there's electricity. I don't know where it comes from, but there's electricity in me that is surging through my body, that's pumping my heart, that's firing in my brain, that's sending to my neurons, that's moving my fingers. It's a miracle, it's amazing, really, when you think about it, that we're literally inanimate objects, but we are able to breathe in life, and we have feelings and emotions, and, and everything regrows, and it's like, you, you know, in your house, you vacuum, and you find all this hair, it just keeps coming everywhere, you know, if you've got a bunch of girls in your house like I do, it's just, you vacuum up, and full of hair, I don't know, it just, but you're always moving, you're growing, and, and the Bible says that we came from, but dust, right, what happens when you die, all of that stuff just kind of disappears, it goes away, and give yourself 50 to 100 years, you turn back into dust. You know, and, and, you know, God could have said, I'm forming man out of aluminum or metal. And in the garden, he could have. You think about this just for a second. Just go with me. He could have said, I'm forming man out of iron or metal or aluminum. And when you become a person, you're living and breathing, and then you die in your coffin, wouldn't it be weird that all of a sudden people turn back into metal? I don't know, just they could have dissipated into metal flakes or something, and it would be metal. If that would have been the case, God could have done that, but he didn't. He said, I'm forming you out of dust, the nothingness, the dirt, the, the, the very base of this rocky planet. And he says, you're but dust. And actually, that comes from the curse of sin in Genesis 3.19. When we disobeyed God's order and God's way of living, and we tried to walk this journey by our own strength the very first time. To say that my way, I think I can get there on my own. My way, he says, but cursed is the ground for your sake. By the sweat of your face you'll eat bread till you return to the ground. Because from it you were taken, for you are dust. And to dust you shall return. You see, i got to see my condition. 
I got to see this God is this holy. Inf- I don't even know what God's made out of. It says He's spirit, but what is that? He He doesn't have the form that we do. He's He's made of something indescribable, and He's this infinite, holy, light shining, all powerful, all knowing being. And here I am. I'm but dust. And it says in this passage, He knows our weakness. That we are weak. That we grow weary. In this life, our life is temporary. It's, it's fleeting. We endure pain. We endure suffering. We have diseases. And ultimately, we die. We turn back to dust. But not only this, because of sin's corruption on our lives, look at the world around us. We kill. We rape. We injure. We, endure, uh, we lie to one another. We curse one another. We're horrible people. And it says that our iniquity, that's our evil sin, the Bible says, has towered to the heavens. And then in our own vanity, if that wasn't good enough, we puff ourselves up and say, well, look at all around the world. People are saying, I don't need God. I don't need His law. I don't need His way. I can live my own life. Who is this God? Don't tell me how to live my life. I can do this on my own. I don't know if I want this religion thing. I'm too prideful to really give my whole life to God. And God's looking and saying, buddy, you're just dust. You're weak, you're weary, you think you're something, but you're nothing. It's that vanity, that pride, that sin has blinded you to the true condition of who you really are because when you come to that moment and your last breath leaves your body, it is all over. You're nothing but dust. And you think you can live this life any way you want to live it, but you're going to answer one day because you're dust. You're nothing without the breath of God living in you who gives you life. And it's only by God's mercy today that we're not all in hell right now. His life is what brings muscles and fibers and blood and breath and new teeth and new hair for some of us. And and all these things. But when His breath leaves you, your condition is really revealed You are weak, you are weary, you are nothing, you are tired, you are sinful, and from dust you were born, and dust you will turn. And our life, because of our transgression, that means it's the law-breaking, because we are all wrongdoers. The Bible says right there, He redeems us from the pit, meaning that you are destined because of sin, because of the fall, because of the curse. You and I are destined to a pit called hell where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth, because in that place, people know their true condition. I don't think until we appreciate our condition that we could really appreciate His compassion. Not until we really know our condition can we really appreciate His compassion. Because if you think you're all that and you're all something, God's grace is just a little, little extra, a little ice cream on top, a little sugar, a little cherry on top. So, oh, well, I'm okay, and God's just really good to me. No, 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 no. We are weak, temporary, diseased, iniquitous, transgressors, destined to the pit of a devil's hell because we deserve it. We deserve hell. 
And I want to live that life and say, God, I'm living between these two worlds, and I try things on my own strength, and I know there's this reality, but I don't like to live in this reality. God, I, I want to live over here in this, this worldly reality of just getting through life and having a good life and living in the pleasure of life and living for self and just falling into entertainment and losing my mind into all the things of the world. And just let me be, God. Let me be. Let me do it on my own. Let me just... And when the time comes, yeah, God, I want all this other stuff, but right now, Lord, just can I just turn it all off? Can I just live like this? And God says, there's going to come a day where you're going to find out this journey is too long for you, son, on your own power because I know your condition. But thanks be to God, he has compassion on our condition. Let me tell you about this compassion. There was a moment when God stooped down. Philippians chapter 2 verse 8 tells us, about that time when he stooped down, that he came as a man. He humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. In the moment that Jesus was born and he walked this earth and he came on that cross, God, it was really God from eternity on stooping down. And he leaned down really to take that opportunity to pick up those who would be carried. And he stoops down. And what does it say in this psalm? that he did when he stooped down. Look in verse 3. It says in verse 3, number 1, it says he, when he stooped down, he did this. Number 1, he pardoned all our iniquities. I think about that moment in John when Jesus comes and he finds, uh, the council finds accusation against a woman who was caught literally in the act in the bed with another man in adultery. And they were coming there to accuse her, to condemn her before Jesus, to test him and see what he would do. And the Bible says, you know what that he did? What did he do? It says that he stooped down. Where was she at? She's on the ground. He stooped down and he began to draw in the sand. I don't know what he was drawing, but he began to draw in the sand. And he began to hear their case. And two times he did this. Two times he stoops down and to draw. And what does he say? Let the one who has sinned cast the first stone. Here is this God who is completely sinless. He's the one who could judge her and condemn her. But what does he do? He says, where are your condemners? Where are those? He says, I don't condemn you either. Go and sin no more. Here's a God who had compassion on her condition. And he would stoop down and pardon all our iniquities. How, how is that him and his nature would come down and stoop to our level and get down in the dirt with us and the filth and the grime and she was guilty and you and I are guilty, but yet he would stoop down and say, I am not here to condemn you. I'm here to pick you up. And then he goes on, he says, then he healed all our diseases. I think about the woman with the issue of blood and she had this personal female issue and and doctors couldn't find anything to heal her in that time and and she would go on for years being as a leper almost not able to even sit on her own bed with her husband or or be in the same sit on the same chair as anyone and everybody would think she was unclean and unholy and she couldn't go worship in the temple nor bring her offering or sacrifice to god she was excluded from fellowship excluded from family and excluded from the presence of god but when she got it in her mind I need Jesus to pick me up. She pushes through the crowd. She makes her way in. She touches the hem of his robe. And immediately the power flows through him into her, heals her. And he looks at her. And the Bible says in that passage, 
that she was healed of her terrible condition. He came and he healed our condition. And it says he redeemed our life from the pit. I think about that moment with Lazarus. And Jesus would come and speak, Lazarus, come forth, and he would redeem Lazarus from the grave. But what was that birthed out of it? Just a few verses before, what did it say? That they saw Jesus weeping, and they said, see what kind of love he loved him with. That his, his moment there was birth, that moment of resurrection was birth even out of compassion. He knew he would raise Lazarus from the dead, but yet he wept anyway. Because he has compassion on our condition. What a God. What kind of God would crown us such as we are with loving kindness and compassion that he would be mindful of us? And it goes on, it says, what did he do? He satisfied our years with good things. I believe that's the coming of the Holy Spirit for us today. You know, in this next verse, it says that so your youth would be renewed like the eagle. If you go back to ancient uh, cultures, kind of like the story of the phoenix, we might know that a little bit more. But uh, when an eagle would renew and regrow its feathers, ancient um, legend would say that that eagle became young again or reborn, that those new feathers, that new plume would rejuvenate the eagle's strength. It would be as a new eagle. And when uh, the psalmist writes this, he's saying that God is a God... I believe when the Holy Spirit comes in you, what does the Bible say in John 3? That He would make you born again. Paul would add, He would make you alive in Christ. You would be renewed, regenerated, reborn, made new. That when God comes into you, He not only pardons your iniquities and heals your disease of sin, redeems you from the consequences of your sin nature and the hell that you are destined toward, but He crowns you with His own name and His loving kindness and His compassion for you, and then He satisfies your years, and He puts the Holy Spirit in you, and He makes you new and born again, regenerated, alive in Christ. And it's not a one time thing, but it's a continual seasonal thing every time, continually renewed, reborn, rejuvenated. Paul says, renewing our minds by the Holy Spirit, that we are transformed. We're going to be taken from glory into glory, that we are renewing by the Holy Spirit. Somebody say amen to a God that would look at a people who are but dust, and he would stoop down and have compassion on our condition. Psalms 113, it really sums it up well. In verse 6 it says, We've got a God who stoops down on heaven and earth, and He lifts the poor from the dust, and the needy from the garbage dump. In Israel there was a place called It was a garbage dump right outside the city, and it had the name Gehenna. And that's where we get the idea, because it was sulfur and fire. They would light that garbage on fire, and it would burn. And that's the place we get the word hell from. And it's he's saying in this passage in Psalms 113, he's saying that we've got a God who stoops down, and he's got compassion on these needy, dust-like people. He lifts them from their condition of dust. And when you were but dust and headed to dust, and you would be nothing apart 
apart from God. He breathes life into you. He gives you born-again nature, renews your mind, renews your spirit, and He saves you from the garbage pit of hell. Somebody say, hallelujah. Man, that is a good God. At His first coming, He would stoop down. Isaiah says he became a man of our sorrows. He was acquainted with our grief. He was despised and no longer esteemed as he had been in heaven. But he would come down and he would stoop down. And he would bore our griefs and carried our sorrows, afflicted with our own affliction, pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Even our beating and our scourging fell on him. Christ's compassion really became his passion. That word passion, we talk about the passion of the Christ. That word means suffering. It isn't it just, I don't know, it's not irony is perhaps the wrong word. But his compassion led him to the passion of his cross. His compassion for us led him to suffer and die as one of us. And we can go through this life and we fail to be amazed at the goodness of God because we're so caught up in living for ourselves we forget how good really God is. And that's what David is saying here. If you don't want to live in these two, between these two worlds and you're finding it hard to struggle and try and do life on your own and you're prideful and you're not really going back to God with all that you have and all that you are, David's saying, let me remind you about something. You were but dust, but he stooped down and he had compassion and he pardoned you and he healed you and he renewed you and he crowned you. That's the kind of God who's worth giving you and saying, bless the Lord. All that I have, all that I am, let me run to him. Let me lift my hands up and say, yes, dad, carry me. Man, you're so good. Why would I want to live on my own? Because who is this for? Who's David writing for? Look in verse 17 of Psalms 103, just to down a few verses. Psalm 103, verse 17. Because this isn't just for anybody. It's not just for anybody. He says, The loving kindness of the Lord is everlasting to everlasting on who? On those who fear Him. And His righteousness to children's children, to those who keep His covenant and remember His precepts to do them. What is he saying? He's saying, God is compassionate on our condition to those who would respond likewise and be carried. See, it's no good for God to come down and, and come down and kneel and pick you up if you're just doing this and you're turning from Him and doing your own thing. But those who would have their hands up and say, Daddy, Daddy, Abba, Father. I want you. I need to rely on you. You know, if I was at the zoo these last weeks and I've got my girls in my hand or my arms and some strange kid comes running up to me and comes up to me and goes, Daddy, Daddy, carry me, carry me. I'm going to look at this kid and say, "Uh, I'm not your dad, son. Sorry. Let me help you find your real dad wherever you are because I know who my kids are. I'm not confused by that. And my kids know who I am. And the Bible says that God knows his sheep and his sheep knows his voice. And David is saying the same way. God has compassion on his children. So don't think yourself so awesome to live in your own world and your own reality and think on that last day you're going to be able to redeem and come back in and say, God, give me all this stuff I'm so tired of. I've done it all my own way. Yeah, he's compassionate. He's gracious. But on that last day, 
It's going to matter and say, God, I'm sorry. I give up my life. I surrender. Let me be your child. And he is so compassionate. He will say that. But if you want both worlds, I'm sorry. You're not going to have it. You either are his child or you are not. And for those who fear him, who respect him as a father, who receive him by trusting him with their lives, who will turn from their ways and be born of his spirit, have his spiritual DNA. Because when my child comes up to me because I know them, because I love them, and even though they've maybe been trying to do life on their own, I am gracious and compassionate because they are mine. I'll carry them. He's a God who stoops, who'll compassion on our condition for those who'll be carried. And my prayer for us this morning is we'll just get so tired of this world and we'll say, God, carry me. God, I'm tired. I'm tired of living this way. I'm tired of trying and tired of all the stuff that goes on in life. And God, would you just carry me? By your strength, I believe he will. And the good news is not only that, but, you know, as we got going on in, in this journey, I'd pick up my kids, and, and they would kind of regain their strength after a little while. You'd carry them, and then what happens? What? They want down again. Okay, that's a lion, it's a tiger, or whatever. Let me go see. And so, obviously, I let them down, and they would go on. But here you go again. After your strength is renewed, and you, again, you think you can do it on your own, then again, you come to another crisis moment and say, you know what, I just, I've realized, wait a minute, hold on, I thought I could do this again, but I'm coming back. And then, of course, as a good father, you pick him up again. And I think sometimes life is like that as a Christian. We get renewed and born again, and okay, God, I'm, I'm going to try, I'm going to, in you, Lord, I'm in strength, yeah, Holy Spirit, yeah, revival Jesus. And then life happens. You know what, God, I think I got it. God, I think I can handle my money. I think I can handle this job. I think I got this marriage thing down. I don't have to try so much harder anymore. God, I, I think I got this Christian thing. I'm doing pretty good, God. And we start getting out of our daddy's arms and start just doing life again. But as long as I'm faithful to him, as long as I don't get too far from him and I hold on to him and and even though, he, yeah, I think God, as he comes, he gives us a little lenience and he allows us to go and do things by the new strength that he's allowed us with. And I've rejuvenated them and I let them go. And I'm, I'm wanting them. They don't need to get out of my sight. They need to stay within arm's reach. If not, just hold my hand. But in a moment's notice, man, I am ready right there to pick them back up. Is any time they say, Lord, Daddy, carry me. Daddy, carry me. I'm going to be a heavenly father, like, like our heavenly father, to carry my children every time. And, and here's the hope and the good news. And I really felt impressed this morning to wrap this into this verse, even though you don't see it clearly. It's, he's a God that doesn't just stoop down one time. At his first coming, he stoops down and he pardons us and he heals us and he strengthens us and he crowns us and he renews us and redeems our life from the pit. Thank you, Jesus. But there's also a God who knows that this road he has us on, that he says, peace I leave with you, not as the world would give, but peace through the Holy Spirit. You're going to have trials and tribulations, and there's this journey in these last days I have you on. But don't worry, when it gets so hard that you don't think you can make it anymore, guess what? I'm coming back again. I'm going to stoop down again and redeem my 
children. And we know that that's what we call the rapture, this great time, this great time where God is going to stoop down again. So I can hope in that. I can, I can live this life in a better reality. I can realize, you know what? This world is hard. It's weary. It's weak. But he stooped down once for me. I know he's going to stoop down again. And I want to live with the reality that every day, God, I didn't get out here by my own strength. God, I want to keep walking in the power that you've given me. I'm going to hold on to my daddy's hand. And Lord, I know when this journey in life gets too tough, And the church seems like it's not even going to make it. The Bible says in the day when it seems like the elect would even fall away, that God is going to stretch down from heaven. His son's going to part the sky. He's going to stoop down and he's going to call us back to himself. Because if he came once, he's coming again. He's a God who stoops. And Paul says this should be this sign to us that Jesus is going to reward those who've loved His appearing. And so we should seek the things where Christ is and not seeking this double world thing on the earth, not seeking the worldly things, but are we turning from godless living and turning from sinful pleasures? Are we being devoted to God and looking forward to His second coming? Are we blessing the Lord with all that we have and living these holy, godly lives, knowing He's coming back and as if to say, We should be a people with our hands raised and saying, Jesus, come again, Lord, come quickly. That should be our continual statement of faith. And when David is saying, bless the Lord, O my soul. Psalms 103, verses 1 through 5. Bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me. Bless his holy name. What is David doing? And I'm going to wrap this up with this. Those of you who played sports or you've gotten on a stage of any kind, and, and whether it be a marching band or a band or gave a public speech or you play football or, or baseball or whatever, it's kind of that psyching up moment. And, and I, th- I think you have to be mentally prepared before you ever do anything like that in front of people, especially you're about to go play a game. And, and if you notice, like football and athletes, what do they do? They chant, they roar, they bump each other's chest, they look actually weird and stupid almost because they get themselves psyched up to go out in the field and beat up on somebody, right? They, they prepare themselves mentally and emotionally. And I think that's what David is doing. He is saying, come on, soul, bless the Lord. Get ready. Come on. We're about to worship God. Get it already up inside of you. Remember who he is. Because that football team wants to remember. They're awesome. They're great. They're awesome. They beat all these other people. They're getting ready to go out there. And we can do this. Come on. Uh. That's what David is doing. He's saying, guys, Remember, you were but dust, but God's done all this stuff for you. And so get ready. Bless the Lord. It's about to be on in worship. In my life, I should be saying, yes, God, you've picked me up once. You're going to pick me up again. And I bless the Lord. I'm all in to Jesus. I'm all in to him. And so how do you bless the Lord with all that is within you? I'm going to give you three things to take home and apply this sermon. Number one is, David says, remember, remember. Why do we come to church? To remember. Why do we read our Bibles? To remember the Word of God. Why do I pray every day? I challenge you to pray 30 minutes to an hour a day every day. Find time, 30 minutes to an hour a day to pray every day because you need to be so into what God has done that you are, watch, you are into the Spirit and the Word of God more than you're into entertainment and television and nagging people and family drama and all the pleasures of this world that we are so into God that His Word, His Spirit has got to overshadow 
And that even so this, that what people have done to you need to be small in comparison to what God has done for you. You need to remember how awesome God is when those trials and tribulations come, that I am so into Jesus. I've made the magnificent things God has done for me so big. They say, I remember so I can bless the Lord. All that is within me can bless His holy name because He's done great things. Everything else is small compared to Him. So I'm going to remember. I want to be around people who are sharing their testimony in a small group. And you need to be in a small group and share your testimony because somebody needs to remember how good God is. You need to be around church-like people who are going to inspire you to worship the God that we serve. Remember, don't forget one single thing David said that God has done. Read the Word, attend church, pray, share your testimony. Make what God's done for you bigger. Number two is this, raise your hands. I'm going to say physically, that's a good thing to do. I was a very prideful young Christian. I never raised my hands in church my whole uh, young adult years until I was in college. It was a very prideful thing. It wasn't, I grew up in a church tradition where we raised our hands, but it was so prideful for me to surrender. It is about humility, and I think we need to be a church where we just freely raise our hands because it's a sign that says, Jesus, Dad, pick me up. I exalt you. I surrender. There's something about it. I don't even understand it, but the Bible commands us to pray and men lift up holy hands. There's something spiritual about raising your hands, and maybe you didn't come from that tradition, and that's okay. I'm going to challenge you. Practice raising your hands in worship, and not just physically, because we can do it and it just be a show, but with your heart, there's some kind of release. And I don't want to just raise my hands in church, but be a person every day, all day, with a spiritual sense, raising my hands, say, Dad, it's Monday, carry me. Dad, it's Tuesday, carry me. I can't make it through Tuesday, God. I can't make it through Wednesday. Lord, I lift my hands in my prayer closet. Lord, I lift my hands in my car before I get into this job interview, before I go take that test. God, before I deal with that that hard-headed coworker, Lord, I lift my hands and say, Lord, I can't do it. I raise my hands. Dad, pick me up. And number three is this. Respond like Jesus. That same verse in Philippians 2 where we get where Jesus would stoop down and humble himself to become as a man. Paul says what? He says, let this mind which was in Christ be in you. He didn't consider equality with God to be something to be grasped. Instead, he humbled himself, he lowered himself, even to become obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And so as a people, not only do I want to be remembering Not only do I want to be raising my hands, I want to be responding like Jesus. And for those that are around us in our community, in our context, whether it be doing what we're doing this month and supporting children who are needy and stooping down and helping those who are without or stooping down to help a brother or a sister in need or stooping down with the compassion that God has and they can look and say, why are you doing this? Why, why, what is it about what you have? And you could say, because my God has stooped down for me, I will stoop down with you. Because he stooped down with me and he got down into the dust and he took on our form and he bore my shame and he took my condition and he redeemed my life from the garbage pit of hell. And he crowned me with loving kindness. And if you, like me, 
would raise your hands and just ask him to carry you, he's a God that has compassion on your condition, and he will. That's who we need to be in LaSalle Parish, Louisiana. Remembering, raising our hands and responding like Jesus because God will have compassion on you if you'll be carried. Amen? Would you pray with me today? Worship team, would you come?